Good morning. It is so good to see you and good to be with you. We had a, a great first service this morning. I will dare say that it was packed out. It was it was pretty wild when, when, when you're not used to that and all of a sudden there was a full house of people. It was awesome. It's great to, to be with you, to worship with you today. And uh, I think that we are well into our 2021 year, but I think it's going to be a wonderful year. Um, don't, uh, I don't want you to panic about 2021. I think God has good things in store for us. Thank you, worship team, for just leading us and, and being sensitive to uh, God's moving today. We're on this series of messages about a new normal. We've talked about a new mindset. We've talked about a renewed sense of purpose and today I want to talk about the issue of priorities and um, the idea that we need priorities to help us reach the new normal that we believe that God has for us in this new year. Uh, the, 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 the definition of that word priority is it's a concern, an interest, or a desire that comes before all others. And that's an important uh, definition. It's important for us to keep that in mind, that the priority comes before everything else. And as we're going to really learn, it's, it's not because uh, the, the priority is the number one. The priority is going to ultimately lead us to the goal that we have. And somebody that was really good at establishing priorities was a man uh, named Dwight D. Eisenhower. And Eisenhower was a five-star general in the U.S. Uh, Army, and he was, um, he was the supreme commander of the Allied forces in Europe in World War II. And the thing that I find really interesting is that that wasn't the only title that he held that used the word supreme commander in it. He was also the supreme commander of NATO. Now that, okay, one title with supreme commander is, is pretty good. Two, I think, I think you just win. And, um, it, you know, if uh, some of us had the title supreme commander, we, we might want our wife and kids to use that or our husband and kids to use that um, <laughs> because that's just as good as they get. He was our 34th president of the United States. He served two terms. Interestingly, his terms were separated by one term. Um, I found that interesting. He launched the agency that would eventually develop the Internet. And uh, all of us, of course, are affected by the Internet. He brought an end to the Korean War. In 1953, he got a lot of things. He, he, in fact, he even launched NASA. He was responsible for launching NASA. And so just huge, huge accomplishments. And the question is, how does one man accomplish so much? There were a lot of other five-star generals at that time. And I'm sure that they did some really good things, but, but they all pale in comparison to what Eisenhower accomplished. The question is how? How did Eisenhower accomplish so many things during his life? And the answer is that 
Eisenhower understood the difference between important and urgent. In fact, Eisenhower actually developed a matrix called the Eisenhower Matrix, which did exactly that. It's, it's different quadrants, and it talks about the thing that, that, is, uh, that is the most uh, urgent and then the less urgent, the most important, the less important. And basically, it is, a, it is a management tool which allows you to correctly prioritize the tasks that you need to do. Eisenhower said this, what is important is seldom urgent, and what is urgent is seldom important. He understood the difference between those two things. He knew how to establish priorities. Now, many of you, many of you are like me, and you use uh, a list. You, you put together a list. You know, uh, for, for those of us men that are married, you know, they, they talk about a honey-do list. Honey-do this and honey-do that. But, but that, that list is really in our wives' heads, okay? I'm talking about your list. And, and I usually have a list of things um, that I want to make sure that I'm remembering that are tasks that need to be accomplished, the problem is not in the list. The problem is not even coming up with the list. The problem is which of these tasks is ultimately the highest priority. And the question is why is that task the highest priority? And it all depends on the goal. Because the goal ultimately will dictate those priorities. But in order for you and in order for me to establish a new normal in 2021, which I believe that, that we, we have some control over. Now, we, we can't control when the restaurants are going to open up here in Michigan. We just, we cannot control that. That is something that is up to the health and human services and the governor. And, and so we realize we don't have control over everything, but we do have control over us. And so when it comes to those things, we have the ability to determine a new normal for 2021. And so the question is, in order for us to establish a new normal in 2021, we need to establish the right priorities in our lives. And today I want to share with you four ways that priorities can help us arrive at that new normal in 2021. Number one, priorities determine action. Priorities determine action. We've all read the story of David. When we start reading about David, David is a boy. He is a boy that works in the pasture taking care of his dad's sheep. He's not even the owner of the sheep. He, he, he basically has little or no possession uh, you know, or wealth materially. He's the youngest son of his father, and we read about David, and from the, the, the sheep pasture, we read that he slays in battle the giant Goliath. And as a result of that, David became really well-loved. I mean, he became an overnight sensation in the nation of Israel. In fact, people would sing 
about him. They would sing, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. And they would sing it with great joy and great celebration and God gets the glory. But guess who that ticked off? It ticked off his boss. Because David actually, after he slew Goliath, he, he started to work for the king. It started out as a musician, but then he, he became ultimately a soldier and a general. And Saul did not like the fact that people liked David. Not just so much, but more than him. In fact, as we read in the scripture, Saul's son Jonathan really liked David. They were very good friends. Saul thought, you know what? I want to keep an eye on this guy, so I'll give him my daughter in marriage, thinking that she'll help me keep an eye on him. And guess what? She really liked David too. So basically, his own family and the rest of the country liked David more than Saul, and it caused him to be jealous. In fact, on six different occasions, he tried to take David's life. Sometimes it was by his own hand, sometimes it was by an order, but he tried to have David killed. And in 1 Samuel 24, we read that David is on the run and that Saul is chasing him and he has 3,000 men and they're looking for David and David and his men are hiding in a cave and the cave is referred to as being near the crag of the wild goat. So I want to read from 1 Samuel 24, verses 3 and 4. Speaking now of, uh, of Saul, it says, He came to the sheep pens along the way. A cave was there. And Saul went in to relieve himself. In other words, Saul had to use the restroom. <clears throat> David and his men were far back in the cave. The men said, <clears throat> this is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I give your enemy, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. Then David crept up unnoticed and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. I want you to imagine this setting. David and and Dozens, if not more, of his men are in this cave hiding. Saul alone enters the cave. Why? Because you need privacy. You're going to use the restroom. You don't need any of your men coming in with you. And so now David and his men in the back of the cave, they see the silhouette of the king coming into the cave. And David's men are like, yo, Dave. This is what God told you about. David had shared with them that God had anointed him, that God said, I'll make, I'm going to make you the king. Undoubtedly, David had shared that story with him. They're saying, now's, now's the time. Now's the time. God is going to make you king. In fact, he's bringing it about exactly the way that he told you. All you've got to do is reach out and kill the king. It was all set up perfectly. Everything was in place. Let's keep reading verses 5 and 6. Afterward, 
meaning after he cut off the corner of the king's robe, David was conscience-stricken for having cut off a corner of his robe. He said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lay my hand on him, for he is anointed of the Lord. David was known as a man after God's own heart. You see, that was David's goal. David's goal was to pursue the heart of God, not to pursue the throne. And David was willing to pursue God and allow God to bring about the promise that he made rather than sometimes what we do, we feel God has told us that something's going to happen and we feel like we've got to go out and make it happen. And we see that opening and we're like, I'm going for it. I'm going to make it happen. It doesn't matter who gets hurt in the process because that's what God told me rather than allowing God to make that happen. I want you to think about that. Think about it for a moment. Our priority determines our action. David's priority was not the throne. It was the heart of God. Therefore, his actions were not to reach out and take the throne, but to be true to his heart of pursuing after God. He chose not to kill Saul. Instead, he trusted God to fulfill that promise in his life. What was David's new normal going to be? His new normal was going to be to be the king of Israel, to be the greatest king that that country would would, would arguably ever see the greatest military general, but he was going to allow God to do it. Look at what Paul says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 2. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. David did a really good job of that. David had his mind set on the heart of God, not on the throne of a man. And that determined his course of action. You and I, we need to set priorities based on having a heart after God rather than some sort of earthly position. Number two, priorities help us reach goals. Priorities are the things that we will say yes or no to and those things are go- that we say yes or no to, they are going to help us get to our goals. Now, um, I've told you before that I run. And um, I will admit that my family thinks I'm crazy. Um, But I've never felt like I was crazy until Saturday. Um, Normally, I, I don't run in the winter very often unless, you know, it's really a nice day or, you know, something like that. Well, Saturday, I got up, and there's slushy snow on the ground. It hasn't been plowed, and, and I desperately wanted to roll over <laughs> and to go back to sleep because it was still dark out, and, and I really didn't want to do it. But, but my goal is, is not to run, and, and that may sound like, I, like I'm conflicted, but my goal is not to run. My goal is to live longer and serve my family. 
and I need to be having 30 minutes of vigorous exercise, you know, almost every day. And so my goal is, is five days a week. You know, I, I have two rest days in there that my body at 57, I just, I just need those rest days. My, my feet, you know, can only handle so much. Um, so so I, I have this, this goal of living longer, and, and I want to accomplish that goal, and I need priorities that are going to help me reach that goal. So that, that exercise, that's a part of it, that, that cardio exercise that I get. But it's, it's really easy to drift from that goal. And the reason is because I'm alive right now. I'm alive right now. I'm serving my family right now. And sometimes that goal seems like it's a long way off and we can drift from it. And our priorities are going to help us. Our priorities are going to help us ultimately reach those goals. And so one of the things that we do is we, 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 we have our priorities, but we also set um, smaller goals. And, and for me, some of those things are like, I want to run a race, this, a particular race this summer. And that race is going to help me um, be able to keep running. The problem is if I set a goal for a race that's in July, I can sleep in tomorrow and it's not a big impact. And so we need other things that we can set up that will help us. And a few weeks ago, my running buddy made a suggestion that we set a goal. And he said, I think we need to set a goal to run X number of miles in 2021 and I, I almost choked. I could not believe the number that he spit out there. And I thought, there's no way. There's, there's no possible way that I could, I could do that. And then I started to add up the mileage that we had run because my, my watch, I keep track of our runs on my watch, which then sends it to my phone and it keeps record of it. And I realized <clears throat> that in a 12-month period... I was 75% of the way to the goal that we want to set for this year. And then I realized we can do it. But the only way that you do it is if you set that goal and it becomes, okay, I've, 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 got, to, I've got to run, I've got to have a plan, I've got to have priorities, and that's what gets you out of bed, makes you stretch, Put on your running clothes and go out and run when the weather is really crummy. It's all about the priority supporting the goal. And that's what we ultimately need in order to make it happen. Paul said this, 1 Corinthians 9.25, Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Um, on my wall, I've got some, some medals that are from races that I've run. None of them are for first place. Um, they're, they're just, you, you ran the race, here you get the medal. Actually, it's really you paid, you, you get the medal sort of thing. But, um, but you, those things don't last. And in fact, in Paul's day, when people ran a race, they would get a, a wreath made out of 
I think they were mostly olive branches that were woven into something that looked like a crown. They would put it on their head when they would announce the winner, but that just, it would wither, it would fade, it would not last. And so Paul says, we we have a a goal here that, that is a lasting goal. And that goal is not something that's here on this earth. It's not an amount of money. It's not a position. But ultimately, it's a reward that lasts forever. The crown that he speaks of is a heavenly reward. That is our ultimate goal as believers, to hear, to stand before Jesus and to hear the words, well done, my good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your rest That is my goal. That is my goal. And so as we set that goal, we realize that without priorities, we can't make progress toward that goal. And priorities will move us forward toward that goal. Number three, priorities help us do difficult things. Does anybody here love doing the difficult things? My brother calls them the last 10%. The la- I know he got it from somebody. I just don't know who, so I'm crediting my brother. The last 10, the last 10% of doing anything is the hardest. And, and someone would say, I checked it off my list and not do that last 10% because that's the real hard stuff ultimately. Three years ago, I got, my phone rang, and I got the phone call that every, every, uh, pastor that grew up in the state of Wisconsin longs to get. I got a call from the Green Bay Packers. I, we used to joke about getting a call from the Packers. I had friends that would call me, and they would say, yeah, this is, uh, this is Coach the Green Bay Packers, and I just wanted you to know we need you for this weekend. You know, we would joke about that stuff. And I get a call, and the call is, we need a pastor to to, uh, to do a, a chapel service the night before the game in Cleveland, Ohio. And I said, I'm there. <laughs> I'm just, you know, I'm, I'll do it. Yes, of course. And so I, I wound up taking Isaac with me, and, and um, uh, Benjamin will never forgive me for that, but I took Isaac with me, and, and we, we got to the hotel and went to the, the, the room where we were supposed to meet, and the players and coaches, not all of them, but about 30 of them come into the room. And I'm not kidding you. I, I mean, these are, these are people that I would watch, you know, on TV play the games, and I would watch the coaches, okay? Coach McCarthy, you know, it just... It just it blows you away to, to when you're in a room doing something and that person is right there. And, and, and then uh, the, the, uh, the defensive coordinator was there. The special teams coordinator was there. The, the team, uh, I, I can't remember his title if it was president or what, but, but it was almost the entire front office for the Packers. And then there were, uh, of the players that were there, one of them was my family's favorite player. In fact, my wife's Packer jersey has his name on it. And, and we, we just really like this player. And he's sitting, Caitlin, like right where you are right now. 
And then there was, there was a, a linebacker whose name is Clay Matthews. He was sitting, I mean, he was staring a hole in my head. And, and, and I, it was really a fun experience. One year later, one year later, every one of those big name people were either fired, released, or cut from the team. The head coach and general manager was gone. The other, I don't know if it's president or whatever his position was, gone. Defensive coordinator, gone. Special teams coach, gone. Favorite wide receiver, gone. Really big name linebacker, gone. Why? 2017 was a terrible season for the Packers. I mean, it was really bad. The quarterback was injured. Uh, Their record was bad. It was a terrible season. And that team knew they needed to change. They needed to do something different or they weren't going to be able to win because their goal is to win. Their their goal is to win the Lombardi Trophy. Uh, In basketball, it's the Larry O'Brien Trophy. Um, in, In baseball, it's the Commissioner's Trophy. In hockey, it's Lord Stanley's Cup. Um, in soccer, Vince, I, I asked you, and Vince said, well, it depends on what league you're talking about. And, and so it was, there was, okay, the World Cup, whatever the World Cup trophy is, that's what we'll say. Okay, that's the goal. And because they knew that they weren't going to reach their goal the, with the priorities that they had, these players and coaches who had taken them to the Super Bowl in 2010, they knew they, they, they couldn't reach it. They had to do something, and it was hard. The guy's name that made the decision was Mark Murphy. He was the guy that made the decision. We're going to go in a different direction from all these players and all these coaches in order to be able to win. That's what the goal is. And now, two short years later, they find themselves one game from the Super Bowl. You don't, when you make a hard decision, you don't even know if it's going to turn out. But your priorities will help you make that decision. They help you accomplish the difficult stuff. Jesus said, seek first Matthew 6.33, his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. The problem for us is often we, we look at the other things. Jesus said, seek me first. All these other things, they will happen in due time and according to his will. But you need to do the more difficult thing, which is to seek first his kingdom and then trust him for all of these other things to happen. So we need to set the, the highest goal. And the highest goal, of course, is, is ultimately for heaven. And then determine our priorities because our priorities are going to enable us to get there. We need to seek his kingdom first. So the question is, are there some difficult things that we need to do that we need to see happen in our lives? And are our priorities helping us get to our goal or are they hurting us from getting to our goal? And if they're hurting us, we ultimately need to do the hard thing and change them so that we can set the right priorities in order to get there. The right priorities will always strengthen our resolve 
in order to do what are those hard things. Number four, priorities prevent mission drift. Now, in my own life, and I, I told this in the first service, and, and I took a risk because uh, my son Isaac was in that service, but I shared that when I, I grew up, I grew up <clears throat> in Wisconsin, and I learned to drive in the wintertime, and it was against my foolish judgment to, to turn a corner when there was snow on the road and not drift. Do you know what I mean when I say that? To, to overturn the steering wheel so that my back end would, tur- would, would swing sideways and I would drift almost crossways down the street. And then I would turn the wheel the other way and bring it all the way back around the other way. And my goal was to drift back and forth as far down the street as I could and stay under control the whole time. And I, I, I had, I'm admitting that. I, admit, I admitted it in front of my 17-year-old, and I certainly don't want him to do the same thing. But I loved to drift on the snow. It was it's just always so much fun. And in, our, in, in life, though, it's, it's a little bit different than in the wintertime driving a rear-wheel car. Pastor Andy Stanley, uh, who's from Atlanta, Georgia, he said that we don't drift in good directions. Whenever we drift in our own lives, we're always going to drift in a bad direction. We don't drift naturally toward our goals. We don't drift toward God. We don't drift toward heaven. We're always going uh, to drift the wrong direction. He said that we discipline and prioritize ourselves there. We can't, we can't just think we're going to drift. Drifting is not a positive direction. Mission drift is, is a person or an organization that, that has a shift from its initial focus or its core values. Without the right priorities, we're going to drift away from our focus. Jesus uh, tells us what our main focus needs to be in Luke chapter 10 and verse 27 when it says, He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's our priority. That should be our focus, to love God and love others. And if we do that, we will not drift from our goal of heaven. Speaking to the churches at Ephesus, John the Revelator writes a message that was spoken by God in Revelation 2.4 to the angel of the church at Ephesus. He said, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. What he is telling them as you've begun to drift from your, your mission to love God and love people. You've left your first love. You've drifted. Now, many things can cause us to drift. And they're not, they're not necessarily bad or immoral things. They're just not the right priority. And they're not going to help us ultimately to reach our goal. Jesus said this, Where your, wherever your treasure is, there your heart 
will be also. And we need to understand that, that where, where we set our priorities, that is the direction that our life is going to go. That's where we will ultimately wind up. We're going to follow those things. And if our priority is to love God and to love people, we will achieve that goal of heaven. It's going to keep us ultimately on course. So for 2021, what is, what is the goal? What goal does God have for us? Ultimately, that goal is heaven. But you know what? 2021 is going to hold some amazing things for us. What is the goal that God has for us? As we look at our priorities, those things that we put in place, those things that we say yes or no to, they're going to help us to get there. And our priorities are going to determine our actions just like David's. It's going to determine what we do. Our priorities are going to help us reach the goals ultimately that we have, that we believe God has called us to. Those priorities are going to help us do the difficult things. There's some difficult things that might need to take place. Our priorities are going to help us there, and those priorities are going to keep us from mission drift. They're going to keep us from just wandering aimlessly back and forth. It's going to keep us moving the right direction. So the question as I close is this. Are you experiencing some drift As you look at the mission that God has called you to, to love God, love people. Are you experiencing some some mission drift? Do you find yourself careening back and forth wildly out of control? Or maybe just just a little bit. Pastor, I'm just a little bit off. I'm I'm not too bad. Well, eventually, if you keep that course, you're going to wind up being a lot off. You're going to be way off course. So, do you need an adjustment in your course? Do you need to make sure that Jesus is your priority above all others? If we put him as our priority, loving God, loving others, that ultimate goal of heaven will be ours. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you. I thank you for the free gift of salvation. I thank you that you have promised that heaven can be ours. And Father, we're called to live this life. And your word says that this world is not our home, that we are, we're pilgrims, we're just passing through. And that ultimately... Ultimately, heaven is our eternal home if we will accept that free gift of salvation. Father, I pray, Lord, today for the one who might be struggling, feeling like they are slightly off course or feel like they are drifting away from their purpose. I pray that today you would solidify their course. As I close this message, if, if that's you, if you say, you know what, Kevin, I, 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 I just 
want to confess to the Lord that that I've, I've, I'm, I'm drifting from that, from that goal. I find myself, I'm just a little bit off. And I really want the Lord to bring me back onto course. If that's you, before I close, I just want you to slip your hand up so that I can pray for you and believe that God is going to, to bring that about. Yes. Yeah. Anybody else? Father, I thank you. I thank you that you have called us heavenward. And I thank you that that today as we have been encouraged by your word, as we have sensed the presence of God while we've worshiped together, that you draw us to yourself. And Father, I pray for those that have acknowledged by uplifted hand, Father, I feel a drift in my heart. I pray right now by the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, that you would begin to draw those individuals back to that place where they are moving toward that goal, where their priorities are helping them to reach that goal of heaven. Father, I thank you. I thank you for those nudges over the years in my own life that have drawn me back to the right course. When I have moved in a direction that wasn't healthy for me or going to help me reach the goal of heaven, your Holy Spirit has convicted me and drawn me back. I thank you. And I pray, Father, right now, In Jesus' name, Lord, that you would draw us back to that place where our priorities are in line with the goal of heaven. Father, I thank you and I praise you in Jesus' name.